Good morning, church family. It's so good to see all of you in the house of the Lord today. Look over at your neighbor, high five them. If you're married to them, give them a kiss. You know, if you want to be married to them, this can be your moment. You know, just drop down on one knee, ask them in the house of witnesses. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. That'll only work out well if you do that. Anyways, we're so excited you're here. Uh, it is a very special day at our church. It's Move Up Sunday. Yeah, it means your kids are getting older, which means you are getting older is what it means. It's what I'm discovering now that I'm a parent as well. Anyways, we're so excited. If you're a live streamer joining us today, thank you so much for being with us. But just bear with us. We got some stuff to get through before we get into worship and all that. But it's going to be good. I've got one big announcement for you. It's the tissue drive. We are collecting tissue boxes to donate to our local schools. And I know that might sound like a silly thing to do. But when you ask, hey, what can we do to help you? And their response is, we could really use some tissues. Then we'd be foolish to not do that. You know what I'm saying? That'd be kind of silly to be like, how can we help you? Like this. No, we don't want to do No, we want to help them. So we're trying to collect a ton of tissue boxes to bless our local schools with. And uh, if you could help us with that, that'd be great. You can order them on Amazon and have them shipped straight here to the church. You can bring in a truck full. However you want to do it. Just bring in some Kleenexes. We're going to make sure kids can wipe their noses this coming school year. Amen? Amen. Wonderful. All right. Well, today is Move Up Sunday, and we are going to be praying over all the children who are moving into a new class here at the church. And so Pastor Randy is coming right now. Give it up for Pastor Randy. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Tim. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. All right. Everybody happy for Move Up Sunday? <laughs> I know the kids are, the right? The kids are, yeah. Awesome sauce. All right, so what's going to happen today is after we pray for all of the students, um, they get to move up today. So, yeah, so if you're in pre-K and you're going into kindergarten, or uh, pre-K and you're going into kindergarten, obviously you're moving up today. If you're in second grade, or if you're in first grade moving into second grade, slam class moving in, or slam junior moving into slam, you're moving up today. And if you're in the fourth grade and you're now this guy's pastor, you're moving up today as well. Yeah. yeah, a yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. So um, all, all my leaders, all my team leads, would you come up here today in Children's Church? If you're a team lead, come on up here. And if you work in our kids' ministry, if you are a dream team worker, I want you to stay down here on the floor with me. Come on up if you work with our children in any way, shape, or form. Team leads, come on up here, though. Sam, you're team lead. Come on up. Team leads. Look at all my team leads, man. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Woo! What's amazing about our team leads is they all still have hair. What's wrong with me? I don't know what's going on. I don't I don't know. Been doing this for 15 years. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anybody else that work with our with our kids? Come on down here, please. Team leads, come on up here. Thank you, Mary. She's special. She has those wonderful two-year-olds. Woo! Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. Now then. Come on over, Emma. Now then, if you are in pre-K your child is, and they're going into kindergarten, come on, bring them on up here on the stage. 
If uh, they won't come up by themselves, parents, you're obviously allowed to bring them up with them and stand with them. So any child that's going into kindergarten from pre-K can come on up right now. And then any kids that are in first grade and moving into uh, second grade, so they are in Slam Junior now, and they're moving into Slam. Come on up here, kids, on this stage as well. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, come on out here. Come on out here. Yes, come on out here. <laughs> All right, if you're going into kindergarten, come on up. If you're in first grade, going into second grade, come on up here. Come on up. And if you are in fourth grade and you're moving into fifth grade, I want you to come right here to the altar. So your fourth graders moving into fifth grade, come on and stay right down here. Just as a quick reminder, if your student's going into fifth grade in the fall, they will actually be staying out here with you for praise and worship. And then after praise and worship, when the rest of the youth group exoduses to the teen center, they'll walk out with them and we'll be ready to greet them back there. But they'll be out here for praise and worship from now on, <laughs> on Sunday mornings. Come on up here. Come on up here, buddies. Don't be afraid. It's just a stage. It won't bite. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. I know I have so many more kids than this. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We had approximately in the five days of VBS, if I'm correct, we had over 460 kids come through VBS, which was phenomenal. It was beautiful. We had 12 salvations. Um, as well through VBS, which was wonderful. And even our pre-K students, every one of them, I didn't ask them to. I said, now, if you want to, who would love to say the prayer to ask Jesus Christ uh, into your heart? Every single one of them raised their hand, and they also prayed that prayer as well. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we're so excited about what happened at VBS, and it's going to stick with them. All right, guys. Well, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray. And all of my team leads, I want you guys just to pray over them and agree with me as we pray. Um, if you're, you know, oh, some of the team leads has got to go down here with these guys. I mean, come on. We've raised these kids. Tim definitely has to go. Pastor Tim has to go down there. At least get a couple other ones. Cody, that's right. You go hop down there. Miss Brenda, go down there. Be with those guys. So are you guys excited to go into fifth grade? They should be. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. As they're leaving, guys, give them high fives. Rock them. Throw them. Do whatever they need to do. Let them know they're awesome as they go into the class. As soon as we're done here, guys, remember, you're going straight to class. All right? So if you were in pre-K, you're going straight to the kindergarten class. If you were in first grade, you're going straight to slam in the second grade. You guys ready? All right, hallelujah. Let's pray over all these kids. And you guys can walk around, pray, lay hands on them. Hallelujah, do what you need to do. Congregation, we thank you as well for praying with us for these children, our future. Hallelujah. God, in Jesus' name, 
Oh, we come before you, Father. Hallelujah. As one unit in this building, one church, Lord, praying for our students, praying for our kids, praying for the future, Lord God, the future pastors and teachers, God, the future evangelists, Lord God, the future doctors, the future lawyers, the, the future vets, God, the future teachers in schools, God, the future trash men, whatever you've called them to be, you've already placed that inside of them. You've already placed their gifts and their talents inside of them, God. I thank you for helping them, God, maturing them in their gifts and in their talents in the name of Jesus this morning. God, I thank you, Father, that as James 5.16 says, that the earnest prayer of a righteous man or woman or parent or grandparent, in this case, availeth much. Lord, that means that it has tremendous power. Our prayers have tremendous power in the name of Jesus. Lord, you also say in 1 John 4, 4, that greater is the one inside of these children than the one that is inside the world. Holy Spirit, you know the situations they will face each day, and you have the answers for each and every one of these kids. Oh God, may us parents and guardians of these kids be sensitive to your leading, your wisdom, and yes, Lord, even your inspiration on each and every one of these kids as they learn the word of God here at church or at their schoolwork. Let them grasp a hold of what they need to know quickly, Lord Jesus. Thank you that they have the mind of Christ. Oh, we thank you for that in these last days. Give them in knowledge and understanding. God, gift them in knowledge and understanding. And Lord, let them have good common sense in today's world, God. Give them wisdom and discernment. Give them abilities and intelligence, Lord God, that will just shock the teachers, Lord God. Shock their friends in the name of Jesus. And thank you for favor with you and other people as Jesus grew in favor with you and other people as you told us in Luke 2 and 52. Let them shine their light wherever they go and give them the boldness they need to witness and pray for people and to say no to the temptations that may come their way in the Jesus' name. I thank you that they will stand for righteousness in these last days and they will be bold as lions, Lord God, as you help them, Holy Spirit. And we plead the blood over their lives in Jesus' name. You are their fortress. You are their refuge against all evil, God. And bring godly friends their way, friends who love purity, and sharpen them, and love them at all times, and speak grace over them. As Proverbs 22, 11 says, God, we thank you for all these things. We thank you for it coming to pass even now in Jesus' name, and we agree as touching. And everybody said, amen, and amen, and amen. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. Thank you, team leads. Help them off the stage. Praise the Lord. Fourth grade going into fifth grade. Help back to your seats right now for right now. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's a celebration. Celebration. We're so happy and thankful for these young kids. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, team leads. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. All right. I'm so excited for this new group of fifth graders. They're going to be incredible. Hey, if you're a parent, hopefully you received an email from me about what's going to be happening this summer in the youth ministry for all of our kids in fifth through twelfth grade. Uh, if you didn't, 
you should come try to find me after service so I make sure I've got your correct contact information because we want you to know what's happening so you can get your kids plugged in. At this time, we're going to transition to celebrating our graduating seniors. Uh, we have a video presentation we're going to be showing you, but just as a heads up, I am human just like you. If your student was missed, I deeply apologize. I do my absolute best to make sure we get everyone, but if for some reason your student wasn't in this video, I'm sorry, and I love you, and forgive me, okay? But as we show this video, if your student's here, when they see their face on the screen, they can just come down forward, and uh, we'll be ready to pray for them after the video concludes. Check it out.
Let's give it up for our graduating seniors. I love it so much. If you are graduating from high school this year and we missed you somehow, please come down front right now. Hopefully nobody comes down here. I think we're, we got everyone this year. Yes. Yeah, it. good job, Pastor Nailed Tim. It. Yes. We want to say congratulations to all of these kids. And I just want to remind us as adults that this is our future. Amen. Come on. These are however many students raised up in the abinisher of the Lord with God-given purpose and talent and God-given dreams for their life for us to help push to the future and get them on their way. So we want to pray for each and every one of you um, today. So go ahead, Pastor Randy, start your prayer. Oh, Father, we come before you again thanking you so much for these students. God, you see the plans that you have for them, each and every one of them today. Oh, God, I thank you. Oh, I thank you, Father, for helping them, leading and guiding them, Father, in the path that you have for them. All the things that they have said that they're going to do, that they want to be, all the progress that they're going to make in these years to come. I just ask, Lord, that you make sure that you help them and that they know that you are come first and are number one in their life. The Lord God, as they continue to put you first, God, you will help them. You will lead them. You will guide them. You will prosper them. Father, you will give them favor. You will give them understanding. God, you were supernaturally, God, bless them, Father, as they put you first in everything. God, remind them, Lord God, that everything they are is because of what you have made them. God, help them to know and to remember that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. That God, each one of these students are a masterpiece. And masterpieces do not need changed in any way, shape, or form. In the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for the boldness, Lord, to come upon them through the Holy Spirit that lives on each, on the inside of each and every one of them. The Lord God, when problems come, God, when, when strategies of the devil try to enter in, when even other students and philosophers and teachers, God, try to get into their heads and screw, Father, with what they know and what they understand and who you are, that, Lord, the Holy Spirit will raise up on the inside of them and you'll give them supernatural wisdom and understanding, Lord God, to fight against and come against what the devil is trying to do. God, I thank you that their faith will be strong in you, Lord God. Their roots will become deeper and deeper in you, Lord God, as they go through college and school. Oh, I thank you. They will be a light to these colleges in these last days. You have borne them for this time and this place. It seems to be harder than it's ever been, tougher than it's ever been. But God, you've raised these students up to handle these type of situations, these type of people, and the enemy at this time. I thank you they will flourish. I thank you that they will be number one in you, Lord God. I thank you that they will be the top of their class. God, I thank you for favor among their peers, among you, and among their teachers. Lord God, supernatural understanding, supernatural wisdom. God, they will have peace in times of trouble and hardships. Oh, we give you praise for these students today, Lord. Oh, we come to you as parents and guardians and grandparents, lifting them up to you today, giving them to you today. 
And we plead that blood over all their lives, from the top of their head all the way down to their feet today. No harm, no danger. We plead the blood over their minds as well. I thank you for prosperous years in the name of Jesus. And we all said amen and amen and amen. Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, and you know, Pastor Tim, as Nicole and I, you know, we, we sent our child off to college. Yes, you did. You know, the only one that ever made it. I never went to college. Nicole never went. She could have went to college. She, she's brilliant. But I never went to college. None of our families ever went to college. Of course, she's the only one in her family. My mom and dad never went to college. Well, my mom went to college after she had three kids. I don't know how she did it with like a 3.8 average. Unbelievable. So I guess all the other kids in the family got the brains instead of me. I don't, I don't know siblings. I don't know. But Lincoln was the first one that went to college. And, you know, we did this from scratch. Yeah. We didn't know what we were doing. And it was very difficult at times, especially the paperwork. College paperwork, guys. Holy moly. It's unbelievable. It's like looking at French or something. It's just very difficult to understand. We got to do this, and we have to go to this, and we have to go to this class, and we got to do this interview. And we got, what in the world all just to send this kid to college? So I know that the strain and pressure on parents has got to be also just as bad yeah, absolutely. and stuff. So we want to pray for the parents and the guardians today as well. Yeah, and we just want to say good job, parents. Like, way to make it to the finish line there with those kids. Yeah. Like, that's tough work. And... Uh, We'd love to just know how many times you used the I brought you into this world. I can take you outline <laughs> over there 18 years, but but you did it. Good job, and, and we do want to honor you, and we want to pray over you as well because uh, especially if this is your first student that's graduating out, it's a big change for you, and we know that, and we just want to honor that moment with you guys and in your lives. So Pastor Randy's going to pray a prayer over all of you that have students graduating out this year if you're a parent, so just receive this. Lord, again... We just thank you, Father, so much for the parents and the guardians and the grandparents that have helped raise these children, these kids, to adulthood. I thank you that you've been with them, and they've raised them the best that they know how. But God, ultimately, we're all your children. You call all of us children of God. And you're there for us, to help us and guide us as parents, as even wives and husbands. And Lord, today, we give these kids to you. We give them back to you. You gave them to us for a time period. And we give them back to you. They're yours. And God, we thank you for having that opportunity to love them and care for them and cry with them and want to spank them most of the time. We thank you for those opportunities, God, because it helped us and it grew us. But I know that their hearts, the kids' hearts is full of joy. Our hearts is full of joy it's full of excitement, Lord God, thanksgiving, anticipation, and probably a little bit of anxiety. But Lord, as we, as we run these kids forward, as we let them go, which I guess by faith, if you would call it, we just thank you that you will take over, take those ropes, and continue to lead them and guide them and give us Lord God, a peace of mind that everything is going to be okay. It's all going to be all right. God, it may seem like the time has passed so quickly that there might have been things left undone 
things left unsaid as we let them go. But Lord God, help these parents as they reshape and adjust their lives to reflect this new reality of college. God, give them patience, Lord God, and help them to remember that their child is establishing new routines and new freedoms. Oh, Lord, help us with that part, the new freedoms, in Jesus' name. Lord, help them, the parents, make sense of, of all the crazy paperwork and programs that go through college and put people in their paths that will help them with those programs as you did us, Father, for Lincoln. Thank you for bringing supernatural finances to each and every one of these households, Lord God, because college is not cheap. And Lord, I thank you that, that if they're going to be in a dorm or wherever they're going to be, that God, you just bring supernatural finances or God deals and steals. Lord God, as we went to garage sales and you would just have a refrigerator there or you would have a bed there or you would have something that they needed and it was super cheap. Thank you for favor, Father as we go to these stores and as we get the things and the supplies that they need for college as well, God, because we are tithers and we are givers and we are blessed for it. Now, God, thank you for that peace that passes all understanding, Lord God. And God, we just thank you that these parents will be secure in you. I know that we will still be there for them. We're still going to be their parents. We're still going to talk to them. God, I ask that you draw the kids back to the parents, though, when it comes to situations at college and school, that they won't be afraid to talk. If they mess up in some way, shape, or form, that, God, you'll draw them back to us, the caretakers. And, Lord, let us have patience, peace, understanding, and mercy, because you have mercy on us. I thank you that we will have mercy on them. My God, we thank you for all this. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, church, thank you for taking a moment to honor all of our Move Up students this year and our graduating seniors. And uh, right now we're going to transition into worship. So if you would stand to your feet. Uh, we're excited to just continue celebrating the God who gives life to begin with, right? We're all here because God loves us so much. He gives us his life and he leads us to be his light in the world. And so right now we just want to praise the name of Jesus. We want to exalt him. We want to thank him. And if you've graduated out of kid today, just spend a moment praising God that they made it, that you did your job, you know. Amen. Let's worship Jesus, church. As you are into the fall. 
open spaces, His grace is, it's waiting for you. Let's dance like the weight has been lifted, His grace is, it's waiting. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, Passion. 
today we're not in a rush today man the Chinese buffet will be there when we get out we got a chance to express ourselves together to love Jesus to love God why we're here we take time out of our day a specific time to come together to show him how much we love him to what we can offer to him for what he gave to us man 
with your majesty. Oh, I fall to my knees. I love you endlessly with the beauty of your song. I find myself undone. I love you endlessly with your majesty. Oh, I fall to my knees. I love you endlessly with the beauty of your song. I find myself undone. I love you endlessly. Come on, all over this place, let's lift our hands and surrender and worship the King of Kings. Come on, his word says where two or three are gathered, I am there in the midst. He's here. He's here. Oh, we worship you. We magnify you, Lord. You're exalted in this place. No other name is lifted up. No other name is lifted up than the name of Jesus. Oh, every evil work must bow. Every demon must bow. Every attack must bow. And the name of Jesus. We sing chains fall. Fear, it bounds right here, right now. Because Jesus changes everything, lives healed, and hope is found right here, right now. Because Jesus changes everything, change, fall, fear, bow, right here, right now, Jesus. Yeah. 
Come on, let's sing that again. Show us. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. In wonder and surrender we fall down. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. Let every burning heart be holy ground. Oh, yes. Hearts are burning for you. This morning, this song talks about releasing everything to God. It talks about you can have my heart. Anything you want, Lord, it's yours. I surrender it all. I lay it all down at the cross this morning. So I encourage you this morning. I implore you this morning. This is your chance to lay it all down. This is your chance to give your heart completely and fully to him. Oh, you can have it all. 
yours forever. Come on, oh, let's yes. Sing that. My heart is yours forever. For all my days. My heart is yours forever. Every part of oh, my yes. My heart is yours forever. day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. You know, I did not realize that it was move up Sunday. And uh, but you know how God orchestrates things at times. It's just amazing to me. Uh, I have a test we're going to take this morning for you. So it's tithe and offering time. I think tithe and offering tithe is just another extension of worship uh, to get us prepared to receive the word. So that's where we're going this morning, and we've got a little test I want to give you. Now, don't run out, okay? It's a self-graded test. I always did better on the grade tests I got to grade myself because whatever answer they said it was, that's really what I meant. So I was right on that. So it's a self-graded test. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put a phrase up on the screen here, and Dave Hewitt has so graciously volunteered this morning to be the answer. And Quentin is praising God because he was my backup. And when he saw Dave walk in, he thought it was a good thing. So uh, I'm going to put a phrase up. And what I want you to do is just interpret what the phrase says. I'm going to ask Dave when we're done, what does, what does that mean? 
And once it's up there, take a look at it, and we'll find out what David thinks of that. So, guys, if you could go ahead now and put that up there. Okay. Take it down. David? What did that mean? They put something to the test. They studied it out and came up with the results that I'm happy with. Okay? I'm an easy guy to make happy. Anybody agree with that? Anybody have anything different? Anybody think? No idea? It is finished. That's what Randy says. Okay, so it sounds to me like we're all singing but we're singing out of different hymn books. So I'm going to make this a little easier, okay? Let's get a little more subjective in this one so everybody can come to the same answer, okay? So the pressure's on you. Everybody needs to come to the same answer on that. If we could have display two guys. Oh, wait a minute, not yet. What I want you to do is count the number of the letter Fs in this. So that's pretty simple. Just whatever is an F, count that as one so everybody can get to the same thing. Okay, go ahead. Let's put it up there. Okay. I mean, <laughs> we have disagreement here. How many you got, David? I'm not going to put Sharon on the spot. How many of you got three? Maybe you got two. How many of you got four? Somebody back there did. Anybody have any more than that? Okay, good deal, good deal. So let's put the third slide up there and show you there are seven F's in this. They're all highlighted there. So the point of all that is sometimes we don't see what's right in front of us. How many times have you read a Bible verse the tenth time and all of a sudden something pops off at you? Okay? Now, don't feel bad that you got it wrong and... Nicole, I apologize. The engineers and the accountants in the room, they're gone for the day. Okay? They will not recover from that. But I want you to know, don't feel bad. The disciples did the same thing. If we, if we turn to Mark chapter 6, now to preface this, uh, the disciples were having a rough day, a long day. They had buried John the Baptist, and they were out doing the ministry in all the communities. So if we jump in Mark 6, uh, chapter 30, they were just getting back together. The apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest for a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. They didn't even have time to eat that day. You ever have days like that? I have. 
And it's a busy day. You're also a little bit cranky, you know? Now, if I, uh, so they departed on a ship. Then all these people come out, and Jesus is teaching those, and I'm going to jump up to verse 35 now. And it says, and when the day was now far spent, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go in the country round about and into the villages by themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. Now, we all know this story. He answered them and said to them, give ye them to eat. And they said, you want us to go buy 200 penny worth of bread and give it to them? And his response was, what do you have? What, what do you have? Go and see. And they come back and say, they have five loaves and two fishes. So he commanded them to make them all sit down by companies upon the green grass. They sat down in ranks by fifties and hundreds. We all know what took place next. The miracle of the loaves and the fish. They had five loaves, two fish. They fed down in verse 44. And they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. Now, in verse 45, he says, Straightway he constrained his disciples to get in the ship, go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, while he sent the people away. So Jesus is going to send the people away, and he finally got the disciples. You know what? Go over to the other side and get some rest. And when he sent them away, he went in the mountain to pray. We know what happens next. He's up in the mountain, and I'm, doing, I'm speeding this up for sake of time. He's up in the mountain. He looks out over the sea, and they're out there rowing against the wind, struggling to get the boat across. So what does he do? This is when he walks on the water. Verse 50, he's walking on the water out by the boat, and he says, For they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be a good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And he went up into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Now I'm thinking, how can you have five loaves and two fish and miss this? You're kidding me. So I kind of did some math. It's kind of a thing that I do. Now, it says there was 5,000 men. If you assume there was also a spouse and there was also a children, you're up to about 15,000 people if it's one for each. So there was anywhere from 5,000 to 15,000 people out there. Remember, we started this story and Jesus said, hey, why don't we go out here and rest before all of that happened. So they were ready to rest. They were ready to sit down. And what happens? Okay, so I divide this up. He, they put them into groups of 50 and 100. If there were 15,000 people out there, each disciple had 75 or 25 groups of 100 and 50 groups of 50. In total, there was 75 groups. Now, that's 15,000. If you jump it all the way down and say, you know what, there was no women and children there, that's fine. They still had two groups of 100 each and four groups of 50. So they're still managing by themselves 400 people. Now, you can imagine 5,000 people out in an open area broke up into groups so the disciples were a little bit ticked off because they had to go out and organize these people into groups and they were supposed to be going and resting. So that's what caused them to miss the miracle. I can't imagine the conversation in the boat 
after they got into it, and Jesus goes up to the mountain. Can you believe it? It's about time we're getting to rest. Yeah, I know. He started that whole thing up down there. And now we'll get out here. Let's just get across. Now we got the wind coming at us. They were having a bad day, and they completely missed that miracle. I don't want to do that in my life, and I want to make sure that we don't either. The point of this whole thing is let's, let's widen our blinders just a little bit more so that we can see what's going on around us. We can see the miracles that are taking place. I'm sure they're there, and I don't stand up here trying to say that I see them all. I don't. This is just something I want to have happen. So the tithe, Malachi 3.10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. This is just an extension of the worship that we just went through, and it's obedience. And that kind of obedience, I believe, can help widen that blinder to help us see more. So look for the miracle. That's what we need to do. The, uh, what I want to say is the, um, get, get excited about the tithe. It's exciting to come up here. If the tithe is a burden to you, it's real simple. The Bible says lay all your burdens at Jesus' feet. So that's what, that's what we'll do here, okay? The other thing I want you to do is, just like the disciples, everything that happened to you this week that might be fogging you up here, I want you in your mind right now to just take that and sit it on the other side of the church doors out here, okay? You can pick it up when service is over. But let's go ahead and just open our hearts and minds to what we're going to receive today and allow God to work and glorify, and let's glorify Him, and, and He can take care of us fully and completely. Have faith in God. Just trust in Him. Amen? Let's go ahead and pray over your tithes and offerings. Father, we come before you in the name of your Son, Jesus. Lord, we ask that you open our eyes. Remove our blinders, Father. Remove the scales from our eyes. Help us to be obedient, Father, in your word. And Lord, we give you the praise, honor, and glory. And Father, we thank you for the healing on Pastor Dosik. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
my heart, God. Take my family. Take my control. Take the things that bind up my heart and my mind and my soul, God. Take it all. Leave it at your feet today and ask you, God, to do what only you can do. So much power in a prayer of surrender. Learn the power of surrender. It's a beautiful thing. It's dangerous if you'll let him, but he'll do exactly what you ask. Thank you, band. Thank you, Chuck and Selah, the rest of you. Update on Pastor Dosik before we get started, because I know that's all what you want to know. <laughs> Last week, we had a little bit of an upset. We were back in the hospital for over a week. Those of you that maybe weren't at the week of Pentecost um, were not aware of that. Um, he is back home. However, he is still on a, an antibiotic feed at home once a day, um, trying to get some of that infection still left over from that nasty gallbladder. And his body is adapting or trying to adapt and learn what do I do with fat when I ingest it now? Where does it go? How do I digest it? How much is too much fat? How much is not enough fat? So we're working through all of that. Um, but he was sure to ask the nurses before he left the hospital. He just wanted to make sure that he was put on light duty and he didn't have to take out the trash or do the dishes. <laughs> and my mom is saying for real right now. But that is true. Um, as soon as he is through this antibiotic uh, situation, I think it's 10 to 12 days, he will begin his um, rehab and just begin getting strong. But right now he's making sure he's walking, he's trying to do things, get up and move around. And trust me, mom is making the bags so he can carry them. It's all right. It's all good. So just keep him in your prayers. But in the meantime, only believe what an honor it is to be connected to a group of people that said yes to God. I like to start every service out with an encouragement because I don't think you really know the amount of strength and authority and power that you as believers carry. And I'm not just saying this about the church wide, I'm saying this about only believe because I am a firm believer that you have the best church name in the entire world. Only believe. Every time you declare it, you speak forth the truth of what's being birthed in your heart in every service, every time you open the word, every time you're kind, every time you're compassionate, every time you love and show the place of God in someone's life, you are living the scripture. You are living your church name. And without it, you and I would not be saved. Only believe. So thank you for saying yes to Jesus, and thank you for fighting the fight of faith every single day of your life. And not just fighting, but as we learned from Pastor Bagwell on Wednesday night, winning, because this church has a champion spirit. That's who you are. Amen? Father, we just come before you today. We ask you, Lord, to be with us as we study in the word of God, God, as I share the word that I believe the Holy Spirit is bringing forth, God, I ask that you would break down religious walls. I ask that you would break away false ideologies. Father, and teach your absoluteness to us today. God, touch the heart of the sinner, Father, that they could hear and that the sick would receive the good news and salvation today. 
Father, as we share this series on healing. Amen and amen. Lord, we just thank you for what you're about to do. So as you know, we are starting a new series on healing today. But I want to start with a preface or a beforehand so that every single message that you hear on healing, you will preface with this in mind. If you're joining today and you think that there's the probability of all the whys that you're asking yourself about healing are going to be answered, then I'm going to let you know that that's not the truth. And here's why. There will always be mysteries in this Bible about who God is. And if you and I could untangle and untie every single question in the Word of God, then we would be gods ourselves, and there would be no mystery. And you would be able to find the end of who God is. We'll never be able to find the end. We'll never have the answer to all of the whys. We're going to do the best we can to circumference all of them and put them in a nice package and put a bow on it. And I'd like to say that that's going to answer all of your whys, but it's not. It's not. And we have to be okay with that because when we're not okay with that, we're looking for a realistic answer in everything we search out and we exempt faith from the picture. I don't have an answer for why your loved one you prayed and they didn't receive healing. I don't have that answer. I can show you examples in the Bible of how they received healing and what they received. And is there a perfect formula? Is there a certain thing you need to say, a certain way you need to hold your head with an antenna like this? No, there's not. And if we try to bring the gospel down to this formula like that, we will always be lacking one needed ingredient, and that is faith. So with that being said, everything we're talking about must take faith to receive and to believe what we're speaking today. 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter says that for today we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, meaning when Jesus Christ returns... Then we will see in full. What is in part will be done away with. And then we will see. Today we look through a mirror or a glass dimly, it says. But one day we will see the entirety of the answer. But that's not always when we want it. Amen? So, until that day, we may still have some whys. Let's go to Genesis 2. I know that isn't what you showed up to hear. You showed up to hear the answer, and I'm going to tell you the answer. His name is Jesus. But just because you say Jesus is the answer, that doesn't facilitate your little mental why all the time. Amen? So let's start in the beginning in Genesis 2. And I want to start in the 15th verse. And it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat of any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Sounds pretty matter of fact, doesn't it? See, most of us know the rest of the story that Adam and Eve did eat of the knowledge the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
But when they did, immediately, immediately, death and decay began. Sickness and disease entered into man's life because of disobedience. That's where sickness and disease came from. We know this because Romans 5.12 tells us, therefore, just as sin entered into this world through one man, one man, that's Adam and Eve, remember, they were union, they were one man, and death through sin. What through sin? Hmm. See, we weren't dying until sin came. It was the perfect utopia. Eden, the Garden of Eden, the place of pleasure. It was a beautiful place until disobedience and sin. Then death came in. Now, immediately through sin, in this way, death came to all people, not just Adam and Eve, all of us. In case no one's told you, there's an expiration date on your life. I would love for all of us to be stamped on the bottom of our foot with an expiration date. Even our milk comes like that, our sour cream, but not people. We will all die one day because of Adam and Eve's action. See, we live in a fallen world now, and sickness and disease is a consequence of that sin. If you think about sickness, sickness is just a small part of death. If you're blind in one eye, one eye is dead and the other one is alive. If you have a heart attack and now your heart is only pumping at 30% capacity, then you are 70% dead in your heart. Am I right? Paralyzation, if you're paralyzed, what is it? The death of a member of your body. If you cannot move your leg, that is death in your leg. It is sickness and disease is a portion of death. Here's the problem. Sickness and disease will always be here until the end of time. Always. Someone say always. Sickness and disease is not leaving until you and I are either resurrected from our dead body and taken up or the return of Christ and we're alive and we are caught up in the air and we get a new spiritual body. Now, don't ask questions like, how old am I going to be? How many wrinkles am I going to have? I don't know. I'm just telling you the Bible don't tell us that. But I'm thinking, I was really good in my 20s, like 27, 28. That would be perfect for me. But I'll take whatever I can get. Does this mean that you and I, if sickness and disease will always be here, does that mean that you and I have to be sick and diseased to die? No, that's exactly what that means. See, when you and I were given this new life, we were given new life and given more abundantly. We were given a life not just of eternity. Yes, I have been saved, so now I'm guaranteed a life with Jesus in eternity. But I was given this life on this earth and able to live it more abundantly. We're going to look through some scripture today, and I'm going to prove it to you. And I want us to be aware, open our hearts and our minds. Psalms 107.20 says that because God sent his word and healed them, wait, he rescued them from the grave. Hmm. 
Why didn't he just say he rescued us from the grave if we were supposed to receive healing when we got to heaven? He healed them. Yes, he healed me spiritually. Yes, he healed me emotionally. Yes, he heals me physically. All of that is included in God's healing. But he rescued me from the grave. Let's go to Isaiah 53.5. I'm laying some really strong groundwork because over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about healing. And these are going to be very good staples to have. It says, he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. This is talking about Jesus on the cross. This was prophesied before the cross, just so you know. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. The KJV, for some of you, I was raised on the King James Version. It says, by his stripes, we were healed. It's a past tense version because healing is ours at the cross. Healing was already purchased and the price was paid for you and I to live in our fullness. Now, if I would come in and purchase, let's go back way, 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 way long ago. And let's say that there was a child that was put up for adoption in an orphanage. But this child's medical bills must be paid for before he can be taken home. Because there was a debt that was attached to this child. And until the debt was paid, the child could not leave. Jesus went to the cross for you and I and paid the debt so that you and I could leave the orphanage. But some of us only want to accept the fact that we get to sit outside the orphanage on the steps. Now, we can sit on the steps of the orphanage for the rest of our lives. Or we can leave the orphanage step and step out and say that I have been bought and I am completely free and I'm allowed to go and do around this world what I want. Or we can live close to what was the slavery that we were kept in. And a lot of us never leave the step of the orphanage once we've been purchased. I'm here to remind you today that if what Jesus purchased on the cross was full for you and I, why are we only living in part of what we can have? I love that he's forgiven my sin. I think that's amazing that I'm going to heaven. But why would I think that I must live bound by sickness? There's some absolutes that you and I need to decide in our heart and mind. And in spite of some things that we see, that we hear, We have to believe that the word is true in spite of those items. That's where the faith comes in. This is what it says. There's multiple places that, that sickness can come into our lives. And I want to talk about those because I think this challenges the resoluteness of the word of God. If we truly believe that when Jesus went to the cross by his stripes or by his wounds, we were healed, then why do we sit on the orphanage steps still? I'm going to prove to you why. I think people that can be sick in their body for simply not obeying the laws of nature. For instance, I dare you, decide today that you're not going to eat or drink anything for the rest of your life. 
You'll die. You'll die. I don't care if you're praying for healing or not. You will die. Because the law of nature says you don't need a miracle. You don't need Jesus to heal you. You need to drink and eat. Am I right? Sometimes I think that we ignore the physical laws of our bodies. And I want to talk to you about that today. And I say this because <clears throat> I am guilty of all of these things. And I'm going, to, I'm going to say that to you today because I believe that it's time that the body of Christ accepts a responsibility for what we need to accept responsibility for and quit blaming God for things that we have chose in our own lives. I think God gets blamed for a whole lot of stuff. You know, he gets blamed for taking people home to be with Jesus. That's what he said. They, yeah, they just took him home to be with Jesus. Well, who's they? Is that the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? They decided to take them all home because Jesus needed a friend? Come on. Come on, people. You, sometimes we say some things. Listen, though. We say these things, and they harm our faith. We say these things off the cuff. We just say them candidly, Ugh, like nothing. But someone hears us and it takes root in the heart of someone next to us. And they really believe that God took someone's life. That's, I'm just saying. So here it is. If you and I were to indulge ourselves with overeating, good food or bad food. Do you know you can overindulge on blueberries? Do you want to know how I know? I like blueberries, but let me explain to you. If you eat too many of them, things move very quickly. <laughs> Do not eat a lot at one time. I'm just letting you know. And the older you get, when things start to move, they move. You can overindulge with alcohol. You can even overindulge in working. Oh, no one wants to talk about that. No one wants to talk that being a workaholic is actually not healthy for your life and can turn into sin. What? What? Well, we all know overeating can. We all know overdoing in alcohol can. But let me tell you something. Anything not done in moderation and you just give, become extremism in these things that you do, it can all become sin. And see, then we put ourselves or our earthly body at risk. At risk. And see, then when we put ourselves in those sinful situations of overindulging, we literally begin to open the door to the enemy because now we're separated from God, which is the very thing that protects us from the enemy. But see, we don't, we don't want to talk about those, but the question is, did God put that sickness on you if you were overeating overindulging in alcohol, dealing with alcohols, drinking it like a sieve? Is that God's fault? Did he make you sick? Oh, but, well, I don't know. You know, I'm just saying I crave the things I crave. Oh, please, we all crave the things of this world too, but we don't give in to them. And I'm talking straight up. You don't have to be overweight to prove that you overindulge. And I'm talking about a really sensitive subject in the church. I'm talking about a really sensitive subject. You don't have to be overweight to overindulge in things you shouldn't be eating. It was Pastor Randy talking the other week about the Holy Spirit telling him, you are to drink water. 
You are to drink water. It's the simple thing that when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and tells you this is not for you, this is not for you. Now we have to obey and do why? Because God knows something about our body that we don't. So here's the deal. God gets the blame for far too many things. The other question is, is if I've overindulged, if I've become an alcoholic and I've ruined my liver, can God heal me? Yes, he can. And he's waiting and he's ready and he's willing. But here's the problem. James 4, 17 hmm, says, Therefore to him to knoweth to do good and doeth it not. For him, that is sin. You mean I might have a different idea of what overeating is than Ashley? And if I'm the one that's overeating, listen, this girl right here, she's a number one team hitter for Nicole. She will look at me and she'll say, your body doesn't want that. I'm like, well, thanks for telling me what my body needs. What is she doing? She's helping me keep my temple holy, pure, strong, able, right? So that I don't find myself with a door open to a sinful nature that I have neglected, that I have become comfortable in. Let me tell you something. Chinese seven times a week is not a smart idea. If you don't want kidney stones, don't eat Chinese seven days a week. And if you are going to indulge in Chinese food, please drink a lot of water. A lot of water. Why? Because it's sodium-ridden. And sodium breaks down the body, and we know that. Yet what do we do? Overindulge in Chinese food. Hear me out. Some of you are saying, well, I never saw the word Chinese in the Bible. You're right. We didn't. But I'm speaking real things to you today that cause real sickness in our body, which gives God a really bad rap. Because now when our bodies are broken down and dilapidated, and we're not able to do the things for God that we were able, all of a sudden, God's the one on the line for it. And then we come down because our liver's damaged from the alcohol that we drank. And then he heals us. And six weeks later, we're right back drinking that garbage and walking in sin that we were before. And there's a whole story in the Bible about that. Beware. Beware. Because you clean your house out of what the devil had hold over. You clean it out and you get rid of the devil. But you don't fill the house with anything good. You don't fill the house with any spirit. You don't fill the house with any word. You don't fill the house with the goodness of God. And what happens? Oh, the enemy just looks in the windows. Yep. Looks like they ain't done anything they were supposed to. It looks like we just moved right back. Oh, wait. It looks like there's more room in there than just for me. He goes back. He gets seven devils greater than he is. Seven greater spirits. Greater, bigger, stronger. They're messier. They make a bigger. You ever seen that, uh, that insurance guy called Mayhem? And he shows up and he creates all this work and he walks out going, <laughs> like this, seven of those. So now you've got eight mayhems in your house. You thought it was hard to get rid of one. That's right. 
How hard do you think it'll be to get rid of eight? See, you and I, once we've become accountable to something, and I hate to be the one to tell you it, I'm the one helping you become accountable to the things because the devil uses different ways to open the door to sickness. Different ways. See, we need to be smart with our natural body. We need to take care of it. We need to respect it so we don't find ourselves in the place of sin which allows an open door for sickness to come and then gives the devil an advantage in our lives. I think some of us are fighting battles that weren't ours to fight. We would have never had the fight had we just taken care or respected. You know, I think it's crazy that, Dave, we, we didn't talk to each other about, I didn't even know who was taking the offering, literally, until yesterday when I actually looked. But Mark 6.31 is a scripture that I think we should go to and read because it's important, and these are the red letters, which I think is even better, because it's Jesus' actual words. And not that the rest of it isn't good, but I'm just saying. Here's what it says. It says, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. As David was talking before, we went through the chapter, and I'm on the very last few verses, and I think this was the staff meetings of all staff meetings. I think this is where those disciples said, I'm going to tell you what, I don't know what went wrong, but Lord help us. If that happens again, you're over this and you're over this, but we cannot be operating like we were today. I think they were doing their best to just catch their tails, just like David said. But the issue was they all got together because it had been obviously a busy time. Remember, David said they set out to rest. <laughs> That's not what happened. But because so many were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat. He said, this is Jesus, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. See, it's important for you and I, whether this was meant literally or figuratively, let's say it was literally, then you and I are to pull away from things and get rest and spend some time with Jesus. If it's figuratively, what if, listen to what the word said here. I thought this was really good. It said, come with me by yourselves and rest. What if you and I truly get this supernatural rest that our earthly body needs when we spend time with Jesus. Amen. What if when we're in that prayer time, what if when we're just spending time thinking about his word and reminding and declaring or sitting and soaking, worshiping in some music that's just edifying to our Savior, what if there's a supernatural rest that is satisfying your earthly body? See, if you and I don't take time to rest, we will become sick. And then when we're sick, who gets the rap? Did, Jesus, did, did God make you sick? Did God make, oh, he must be teaching me something. He's teaching you to rest. Are you kidding me? Come on, some people can't rest 
unless everything in their body breaks and demands stop. That's not who you and I were. These are the red letters. This was Jesus saying, look, we haven't ate all day. It's been a crazy day and God's done amazing things through us. But sit down, let's talk and let's rest because your body needs them and you've neglected to eat. Moms, I'm speaking right to you. How many days have you forgot that it's breakfast? Have you forgot that it's lunch? And have you just sit down at supper? Yet you made the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that went in the lunch. And you made the breakfast that the kids walked out with the rice cake and the peanut butter and the apple juice. They're walking out and eating, but you neglected to grab one for yourself. Come on, I'm talking to you. Dads, I'm talking to you workaholics that think providing is solely your only job in this world and that the amount of providing that you do is never enough. I'm talking to you. At what point does your earthly health become important? If God would have said, don't worry, we're going to keep working and I'm just going to pray for us tonight and we're all going to be healed. Is that what Mark said? Come away with me. Let's rest. It wasn't let's pray that our bodies will be healed so we can just keep on going. Sickness comes because we neglect ourselves. Not all sickness. Not all sickness. Sickness can also be a judgment from God. Oh, I know, I know, I hear you all, but I'm going to read you the scripture. It's in there. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, the 27th verse. It says that when you and I take communion in an unworthy manner, in other words, you don't examine your life before you take it, and you take it and just without reflecting on your life, asking God if there's anything between you and him that he wants you to be aware of, that you should clean up, that you should repent for. You just take down the communion, take bread, well, I'm okay. But you never examine your life. Guess what? It says judgment will come. Judgment will come. Now, don't get this mixed up and say, God put sickness on me. That's not true. That's not true. Let me ask you this. If a young teenager in a really fast car zooms by the highway patrol and the highway patrol just goes after you were going 120 in a 70 mile hour zone do you believe that the highway patrolman is guilty or do you believe that young man that or woman there's some fast girls out there too I'm just going to tell you I got one that cleans for me. Do you think, I heard that, do you think that that's the highway patrolman's fault? Do you think that the highway patrolman should be the one to get the rap on that deal? Well, I can't believe it. He just gave me a ticket. That thing cost me $370 and put four points on my license. Or do you think that it was a law of this earthly kingdom. And you disobeyed the law, therefore the judgment of the law not being honored is what you got. See, there's laws of the supernatural kingdom. 
And the laws of the supernatural kingdom are, if you take communion in an unworthy way, he's telling you straight up front. See, this is like the rules on our kitchen refrigerator when the kids were little. If you lie, this is what's going to happen to you. If you bite your sister, this is what's going to happen to you. We had a biter. We had a pincher. We had a hair puller. We had them all. But I'm just saying, these are what's going to happen. Is that because I didn't love my children? It was because I was correcting my children and teaching them these are laws of being kind. And if you pull your sister's hair or you bite her, you're going to get a whooping. We don't bite. With some of our children, by the way, we had to carry the spanking stick with us to the church nursery when they decided to bite, pinch, pull hair. It's crazy. But children test the limits. Here's the issue. This is why the Bible says that many of you are weak and sick in your bodies and you have fallen asleep. That's a whole nother message for another day. But God's telling us that if we don't walk by the word, if we don't examine ourselves before communion and just take it in an unworthy manner, that judgments will come. And he specifically says, listen, nevertheless, we are being corrected so that we will not be judged by the world. And when the world is judged, he's looking to save you from that judgment. That if you'll just examine yourself, let the Holy Spirit speak to you, these judgments won't come upon you. So sickness can be a judgment from God. This is why one of those times, if I have sickness in my body, my parents taught me that one of the very first things you do is begin to search and say, Lord, is there something that I've done that has allowed the enemy to come into my life? What is the origin of this sickness? Have I neglected my healthy body? Have I been working too hard? Have I been living with too much stress? Because there's an answer for that. Cast your cares upon him, right? Trust in him and lean not to your own understanding. See, there's an answer for everything. Have I been toiling and trying to work from sun up to sundown to make enough money? When God says, I will provide, give me a faithful amount of service. Get a job that works for 40 hours a week and then come home and rest and spend time with your family and see, tithe and watch if I don't open the windows heaven and pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. See, there's answers to provision. There's answer to anxiety. But we have to work the laws of the kingdom. What is the origin of the sickness? And have we allowed the enemy a foothold in our life? And of course, we all know, we all know that the author of sickness is the enemy. John 10.10 tells us that he come to steal, kill, and destroy. You want to know who decides when a child is taken? It isn't God needing another angel for heaven with wings. It is the enemy who set out an assault from the gates of hell to steal that child and every purpose that's within him before his time. 
And the only hope that we have is knowing that that child is with Jesus and that when you and I live our lives accordingly, that we too, on resurrection day or when Jesus returns and if we're in the grave, that we will raise out of that, that we've lived a life that was pleasing to the Lord, that we hear, well done, good and faithful servant, and we will see those that we love. That is the only guarantee that you and I have. Death is coming to each and every one of us, but it is not brought by God. It is the thief that comes only, it says only, only to steal, kill, and destroy. But the rest of that scripture says, but I have come, I have come that you might have life. And for those of you King Jamesers, I, I grew up on this one, and have it more abundantly, more abundantly. He wants us to thrive in it. See, on the Sabbath day, when we look at the scriptures in Luke, the 13th chapter, I want you to go there. We'll turn here today too. It says, on the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit. Someone say, by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and began to praise God. Now you can't question that that was the spirit of God that put that upon her. And I'm going to prove to you why. Because the next scriptures that we're going to go through, this was an direct attack from Satan. The spirit had crippled her for 18 years. And as we learned in the scripture before, God came to give us life and more abundantly. But it was the devil that came to harm us. Let's get this out of the way. God does not want his sons or daughters sick. He does not want us sick. He wants us healed. He wants us work, walking in not just physical, emotional, mental, financial. And let me just say this. I think it's far time that we as a church and a society and a culture removes the boundaries from mental illness, removes this stigma from these other diseases. See, people can go to the doctor all day for a heart problem, all day for a heart problem. But if you go to a doctor that needs to help you understand why you're processing the things that you process, oh, that's of the devil. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not just saying you need to go to any doctor. You need to go to a God, spirit-filled doctor that can help you unlock the things that you're struggling with in your mind. Trauma comes. People are hurt and damaged along the way. And I'm going to tell you, spiritual counseling is one thing, but your pastors are here to counsel you through the word of God. And if we have prayed the prayer of faith and we are standing and believing for a manifestation and that manifestation has not come yet, which in the future weeks we're going to get to because Abraham waited an awful long time for a manifestation. And sometimes we need a little bit of help in the waiting. And that doesn't make us weak. That doesn't make you weak. If you had a heart attack and you need a heart evaluation and some medicine and you need some exercise to help with your heart to strengthen it, you're going to do that, right? Then why is it wrong if we do something mental? 
Healing is the same to Jesus. It doesn't matter whether it's sickness in your body, whether you're dead. Hear me, Jairus, we have the scripture in the Bible. Jairus said, my daughter's sick, come quickly. She's near death. Jesus says, okay, let's go. He goes in the middle, he gets held up, starts making some other miracles happen here and there. And Jairus is like, I'm sure he was like, come on, Jesus. Jesus wasn't in a hurry, you know why? Because healing was nothing different than raising someone from the dead. Healing is healing, whether I heal a partially dead person or a completely dead person. It doesn't matter because I say yes to it all. Sometimes we put God in a box and we think because of the type of sickness, it's harder for God to do. It's not. It's all the same to him. Now, there are different processes through different demonic spirits in the Bible which are here and present, and we will walk through some of those. But I'm here to remind you that God doesn't care. John 14, 9 says, anyone who has seen me, this is Jesus speaking, anyone who has seen Jesus has seen God. God sent Jesus so that he could be God with us on this earth. So everything Jesus did in the New Testament is God's will. Remember, Jesus said, I come to do the will of my Father. Did anyone ever see Jesus put a sickness on anyone? Did anyone ever see Jesus treat anyone bad? Did he kill anyone? Did he steal from anyone? Did he destroy anyone's life? Then stop saying Jesus sent sickness to you. Quit making him pay the price that people truly believe that God is an evil God one minute and good the next minute. The New Testament is a new covenant of who God is to you and I today. It is a covenant of grace. The Old Testament was a covenant of law. And if you didn't keep the law, there was judgment for not keeping the law. But now there's a better way. Not designed by man, designed by God for you and I because he loves us. Healing is not hard for God because it's who he is. He is the God that healeth thee. He is the God that healeth me. Say it. He is the God that healeth me. He is the God that heals me. You've got to believe it and you've got to take off these false ideas of what past determinations with other people you have seen. I don't know why. I don't know why. But what I do know is the written word of God is true and it shall not lie. I do know that he says the devil is bad and that he is good. And I believe that which the word of God has said. And there comes a day in a line, that day in time that you and I as a believer must draw a line in the sand and say, devil, you are bad and God is good. All the time. I have more, but due to time, we're not going to go there because I am using self-control. In Matthew, the fourth chapter, the 23rd 
and 24th verse. It says this, and I'm going to end with this, and I'm going to pick up when we start this message again, because I'm not sure what we're going to do for Father's Day yet. It says, 23rd verse, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogue. That just means church, teaching in their churches, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering with severe pain, whether brought on by themselves or not. Demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Today I want to clear up God's reputation. For those of you that listen to Taylor Swift, there's a reputation tour. God has a better reputation than what we give him credit for. And he doesn't have to take on every time we don't have the answer why. We just blame it on him. Well, how about we just blame it on the evil one? How about we just blame it on something natural? How about we stop blaming it on a supernatural God that sent his son to the cross for you and I to prove that he loves us and that you and I are worthy to receive healing? Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet. Over the next few weeks, we're going to teach that it is God's will to heal. We're going to prove it in Scripture. We're going to teach you how to What happens when healing comes? You know, healing comes, sometimes we're healed, and then five, seven weeks later, it's gone. As fast as it came, it's like it's gone. What happened? Well, I don't have all the answers, but I got some scripture. And we have to begin to work these things out. But I want to encourage you. Your faith is trying to be defined by everything that you see and you hear that God does or he doesn't do. Be sure that what you believe God is doing is actual truth. Be sure that you're not just a hearer and going, oh yeah, 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 no, no, don't do that. Because you allow the seed of the enemy to come and sit in your heart and that seed grows weeds of doubt and unbelief. And that's not what you want. And then when you get to a point in your life that you need a miracle, You've got all these weeds and all these tears and all these weeds in there in your faith life that got to be ripped out and torn out. Protect your seed of faith. Protect the faith in you that you know that God is the healer. His word is absolute. Doesn't matter what you've seen other people receive or not. Some people get tired in well-doing and they just give up. And they stop fighting for the healing that they once were so strong about pursuing and laying a hold of. See, we're a now generation. We like drive throughs We want it fast, we want it now, and we want it our way. And sometimes when God doesn't respond the way we think he should respond, or as quick as we think he should respond, in the natural, though in the spiritual, he said yes. And healing is yours. But there might be a fight ahead of you that has to 
get to it. Patience is having her perfect work. Root those things out this week. Root them out so that we can become a family of believers that really believes what the word says about our Savior and about God. He means us good, right? If you're sick in your body today and you've grabbed a hold of the word and you want prayer and you believe today is my day, then I want to pray for you. I want you to come down to the altar and I'm going to pray. And the prayer of healing is going to be released and you're going to be healed. And that's what's going to happen. There's some of you out there that are saying, I've been prayed for before and I didn't get the results that I thought should happen. So I'm going to sit back in my seat just a little bit longer because I might need to hear a little bit more because I might need to get my faith a little bit bigger. And that's okay too. That's okay. Healing is sometimes a journey and a process and that's okay because God's with us in that process. He never leaves us and never forsakes us. But we can't give up on him and forsake him. Lift your hands up to heaven. Father, we come before you today. Take our thoughts. Take our hearts. Take what faith we have and begin to work on us. God, just like we sang, you can have our hearts. Father, you can have our thoughts about healing. You can have all of our failures and all of our successes in the area of healing. But God, we ask you to do something special. We're asking you to define our faith. Make us the church. Make us the people that truly believe again in your healing power. Father, in spite of what the world has said, in spite of the whys and the unanswered questions that we have, God, let faith arise in our hearts again as we read the written word and see that you went about church to church preaching the good news and healing all those that were sick. Father, we believe in you. We believe in your word. Father, help us protect our faith. Help us protect our seed. And over these next weeks, God, lead us through this healing journey, God that we would begin to root out things in our heart that have taken deep roots. And Father, begin to reroot us, reroot us in faith and love and hope. Father, for we believe in you. And God, if we've blamed you, we're sorry. Please forgive us. We don't want to blame you for something that isn't yours to own. Father, and if we have done things to our bodies, that are not healthy, we've not rested, we've overworked, we've overate. God, we've just been careless. God, we repent. We turn from our actions, help us. Change our desires of our taste buds, change our thought patterns about food. Help us to live a life that is truly consecrated to you. Help us be content. Show us you're the provider. Father, we receive these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Don't forget if you are sick in your bodies, maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. You know, when Jesus went to the churches, he proclaimed the good news and healed them. This is the good news. But the good news is that we all 
are going to have a day where we choose an eternity to live with Jesus or without. See, we all have sin in our life and we're all in need of a Savior. Some of us have said yes to the Savior. Some of us have not. If that's you today, you're here in this house. Maybe you've fallen away from Christ and you want to come back home. We're here for you. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus, but you feel him drawing and pulling on your heart today. If that's you, we want to be your church family. We want to help you. We want to love you right where you are. You don't have to be perfect. None of us are. We just serve a perfect God who makes all things new. He took everything that was broken inside of us, everything that was shameful and sinful, and rewrote it and gave us a new way. If that's you and you're here, simply raise your hand. Simply raise your hand and say, Pastor Nicole, I want this Jesus that you're talking of. I want to know the healer. I want to know the one who can heal me and remove these sins and give me a spiritual new life. If that's you and you're in the house today, anyone, anyone, anybody. Okay. There'll be next week. Don't worry. Same invitation will be given just with different words, but the same Holy Spirit drawing on your heart. Father, we thank you for the work of the Lord today. And we just love these people. We send them on their way. Bless them. Keep them safe this week. Until next week, we'll see you then. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you need healing in your body, I'll be waiting. And the rest of you are dismissed. Hallelujah.